everybody uh, welcome to mailman podcast today we have among us daniel who is a chief of staff at motion hall what does she do how does she do it uh, what does uh, what does her day look like she is going to tell all about it hey dan hey daniel uh, welcome to mailman podcast thank you for uh, being over here uh, really glad to, to be here Thank you. To start with in a couple of minutes, uh, could you tell us what do you do these days? Sure. So, as Mohit mentioned, I'm the chief of staff at Motion Hall. So, we're a predictive software platform for life science companies who mm-hmm. target the best partners to get their products to market. And what I do as the chief of staff is I sometimes joke I'm the executive doer of things. So <laughs> I'm responsible okay. for scaffolding our CEO. And that looks like a lot of different things. Um, but a lot of my day right now is spent with our commercial organization and our customer success org. Fantastic. Uh, Danielle, you said Motion Hull does predictive analysis for life sciences companies to help them figure out with where- whom to partner with sure yeah i can say a bit more about that so yeah, yeah. something what, what like uh, yeah yeah so um something like 60% of drugs that are on the market that patients mm-hmm. can use or have access to have gone through some form of partnering process so okay. the innovation is often done um by a smaller company a smaller biotech and in order to get that drug or product out to market to get it in the mm-hmm. hands of the patients who need it they'll partner um okay. in the news these days the Pfizer mm-hmm. and BioNTech covid yes. vaccine so that's yes, a yes. perfect example of the type of partnership that okay. our um Motion Hall's members will will look to engage oh so could you explain like why these uh, why why this for example uh, the Pfizer vaccine and sure. why is this the such a perfect example you mean the the exact vaccine was developed by a smaller bio pharma company and then they partnered up with a large company to distribute it yeah so um it it depends company to company but um okay. the average cost of what it takes to get a drug to market is over a billion dollars mm-hmm. and so okay. the companies that are the best set up to do the really creative innovation the really dedicated early science the companies that can swiftly change and develop tend to be smaller not always but often and then mm-hmm. the companies that have the infrastructure to be able to navigate the FDA be able to navigate the european equivalent mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. are are larger and they're not all the pfizers of the world there's there's a whole population of specialty companies and medium but in the pfizer and biontech case biontech is significantly significantly smaller than Got pfizer it. did okay. much of the early research and then what it takes to distribute that vaccine to the world is the infrastructure of a company like Pfizer. Got it fantastic. Uh, Daniel that is fantastic. I mean so your uh, job is to make sure everything goes all right with the partnership. Well, so in our company a mm-hmm. biotech will come to us with their product and they want to find the right partner. So Motion Hall software platform and Motion Hall services assist that process. So okay. versus, you know, sending out untailored cold emails to the world mm-hmm. not knowing that you found the right partner, our Got software it. creates a predictive partnering workspace that enables a biotech to know who is most likely to transact on their deal so they can uh consider the right way to approach them and and find the right partner. Oh fantastic fantastic I mean I would have never thought 
anything close to it uh, that's something like would uh, this would be needed or existing that's I, fantastic yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're not in the industry yes. sort of wrapping your head around it is like okay yeah i guess that makes sense but <laughs> the scope of this type of partnership is there's actually mm-hmm. over 400 billion dollars worth of licensing transactions oh, happening a year so it's a it's a it's a, a broad market it has huge implications if a biotech partners with the wrong company their drug mm-hmm. can get deprioritized never make it to market um, and that can kill an innovator. And so we're wow. really excited about being able to support the acceleration of innovative therapeutics to market. Fantastic. So I, I was on your LinkedIn and I saw that you are at Motion Hall for about four and a half years now. What did you do before that? I mean, where does the story begin at? Yeah, there's um, my path to Motion Hall is a funny one. So okay. if you look at my LinkedIn and you go, wow, life science and yep. chief of staff at a software industry, um, I didn't come from the life sciences industry, but what okay. I did come from is entrepreneurship. So prior, most recently prior to Motion Hall, mm-hmm. I uh, was running a consulting company that I started with a friend and mm-hmm. Uh, we were working with startups. So we were working with technology companies, helping them understand the needs of their people, building their culture, recruiting everything that it took to grow a company. And I definitely caught myself thinking like, wow, it'd be great to stay and grow somewhere. So we would come in, we would do projects, we would place new team members for them. And then uh, they wouldn't need us for a while. And I just thought like, oh, it'd be cool to be on the inside. And a lot of what I did at that that HR consulting company was similar in, uh, in organization to what I do now. So like taking complicated uh, information, systemizing it, templatizing it, and so on. Fantastic. So this company was uh, CEO or some other company? This was Blank Slate Partners. So this Blank is a, okay. yeah, an HR consulting company. Okay. Uh, and after that, I see that you were some in, in some gaming company. and Yeah, you... so um, yeah. Uh, that's actually my husband's company. So oh, my husband nice. um, has been an entrepreneur now for uh, eight years. Wow. He um, worked in the video game industry his whole career and mm-hmm. left a role in a company to start his own company, so to build out a game. And um, I really strong, like really have a strength in organizing information. So Uh I learned how to organize uh, public relations information for the launch of an indie video game and helped him um, Uh manage the operation side of his of his company and um, do all the PR and marketing for his first game back in 2014. Oh, wow, fantastic. Okay, so Daniel, now I see that you have had various experiences in various industries. Um, what is something that makes you you? I mean, what is that core? Is it um, enjoying working with people? Is it being uh, close to people, among people? Um, what is it that makes you you? You know, I I have worked, like you said, a range of industries. So I've worked in a big public company doing retail Mm -hmm. apparel um, in the human resources side. I've worked with tiny startups. And I think the thing that is common throughout and the thing that I find the most engaging is, like I've mentioned, like taking complicated information, breaking it down and finding a way to systemize it. And then usually that involves being the the face or the connection of it or the advocate at a, in, in the public company was advocate in 30 person meetings or um, mm-hmm. I was part of some of the 
international go-to-market planning for uh, Lululemon from from the capacity of of relocation. So it took mm-hmm. it took a lot to open operations in a new company, and I was there advocating for what it took to relocate often the first employees into new markets and. Um, what, what it took was extremely complicated. And so figuring out how to mesh corporate needs, tax needs, law, legal needs, human resources needs, and then human needs wow. uh, okay. all together. So that that's what the real common thread across the industries I've worked in and the companies I've worked in Great. now looking uh, back. I, yep. So I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around it because uh, it is a little too much to uh, understand for my introvert brain. I mean, I'm one of those people who... <laughs> gets weird in any social uh, situation yeah i would say i'm on i'm on the other end of that so the 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 like extroverted system creation is really some mix of, of where i thrive fantastic i'm curious daniel you you mentioned something taking something complicated and then simplifying it could you share any example any tiny example that um, comes to your mind you know this is a small thing but i love getting cards for my birthday okay. and i like being able to provide that for my friends but mm-hmm. with especially life in the pand- pandemic and especially life as a young family like remembering the planning to like get a card, write it, send it to the right friend. And so I found an online software service that allows me to pre-schedule birthday cards. And oh, nice. and with that, you know, I, I got a way to collect all the contact information from all the people that I wanted to mm-hmm. reach out to, um, which was made really easy with Postable. This is all through that. And then scheduled out birthday cards for my friends for the year. And the first year I did it was actually 2020, which makes for a real strange oh, wow. birthday card because I, I, I scheduled them out in January. They pe- people would mention that they're friendly and generic, but like, and, and totally didn't address anything from the pandemic. So there's definite downsides of codifying a system at an annual basis but but i but just love a, that yeah that little way to be like yeah i like knew that that was like i i just like the tactile feel of cards conveying like hey i'm thinking of you it's been a long time or it's been a short time but but here's something that shows i care about you and having a way to help me do that reliably um oh, i'd yes. say is yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. that's brilliant. I mean, these these are the small things. I know the last year it backfired, but uh, yeah, I, now yeah. I definitely yeah. I like look at doing it on a quarterly basis. So I'm okay. not doing it on an annual basis. Great, great. So, Daniel, and uh, now we know a little bit about you. Uh, what have you done? What do you these, do these days? So I'm intrigued. What does your typical day look like? Uh, what time do you get up? What what do you do in the mornings? How do you plan for your day? So I have a two-year-old. So right now my typical day starts when she wakes up and she's an early bird. So sometime between usually five and 5.30, if we're lucky, six, I get up and uh, my husband and I alternate who is focused on her and who either gets some time to themselves or to sleep or to read or to work. And then right now, my mornings with her, she'll play and I get to read a book. And so I have a bit of time in the morning that where I rotate what I'm reading. So sometimes it's books for work and sometimes it's books for fun. And then around nine is when um, she goes to daycare. So that's when I really start 
focusing on what there is for the day. And then the the content of the day really ranges. So mm. I have a, a focus time with um, the customer success team on Wednesday afternoons where we go, we do a big deep file review and then mm-hmm. look for trends across all, all our members, all the motion hall members and see what across across all the members we can be templatizing and systemizing like what mm-hmm. what have we done that at the time was a one-off that now mm-hmm. we can apply across everyone or apply for the future and yeah the, the the mix of what my day is will will range from reactive work which is often based on active commercial needs so whether mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. sales conversations that need some kind of custom follow-up the the complex custom work will bubble up to me or it's um, finding new ways to be templatizing and, and systemizing for whatever our next initiative is. Got it. Um, and so, yeah. so you plan your day in the morning when your daughter goes to the day- daycare or in the night before? You know, I am not 100% on this yet. I have okay. real strong okay. intentions that are not 100% yet, but I try to do a weekly planning on Thursday okay. afternoons for the next week. Uh-huh. And then at the end of my day, each day, I I try to prioritize my first two or three big tasks for the next day. Okay. And then in the morning, I just like check that that's the right thing. So oh. the planning kind of oh. happens at the end of the workday for the next day. And then first thing in the morning is like, is that what's right for the day? Got it. Fantastic. So do you do it all school in a pen and paper on pen and paper or do you use any apps? No. Or <laughs> <laughs> pen and paper does not work for me. I love the okay. feel of it, but I, I like many people use Notion. Mm-hmm. And thanks to my friend Marie Poulin with her Notion mastery course and her templates, okay. my Notion dashboard is beautiful. And oh, wow. it has all sorts of nested databases, basically just all based on her setup. Her setup is incredible. So can't recommend her enough. I basically was using just like a dedicated task list, took her course and swiped all her templates, as she says everyone should, (laughs) and have tailored them. And so that helps me with daily task management, weekly insights, monthly project level, quarterly and annually. Fantastic. So, Daniel, I, this might be a weird ask, but is it possible to take a peek at your uh, template? Like, what does it look like? Sure. Yeah, let's share the screen. Yeah, one second. Now you can share So, Mohit, I can't share it on now the podcast, can. but I can share it. To, I can show it to you. I just say a lot of it has, um, there's like yeah. customer names and stuff. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, basically, uh, if, if we take a screenshot of it, we'll just blur all everything out. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I'll I, send you for uh, approval. Okay, great. So here I'll show you. So the visual, um, this is like my home dashboard. This where is fantastic. I've got the week planned out. This is all thanks to Marie. So okay. there's that. And then, yeah, a lot of this will have to blur out. But this is where I go from a task basis. So what is there mm-hmm. for today? What's blocking mm-hmm. for tomorrow, next, later? And then there's columns for what is not currently scheduled or has been pushed off to the future. Uh And then there's project level. Oh, wow. So the visual really helps for me, but this is breaking down tasks across projects. And then um, all my references are in resources. So this is articles I've read or 
notes I've made. And then these kind of all feed up like on the task level. So if I create a new task, here's a perfect example. So I have task templates. So this is if I want a task from my executive assistant, um, could you help me find the right template for Mailman HQ? Um, and so she shares, uh, uh, she's in my Notion workspace. And so this okay. tags that is not started, which prompts her to change it to be assigned to her. Okay. And it notifies her. Oh, wow. This is beautiful. Yeah, so Notion's is, pretty incredible. Yep, yep. So this is where you spend most of your day in? Yeah, um, I have it open constantly. Wow, wow. And, and for how many years have you been doing this? Or how many months? You know, um, it would, it was a year last November, so however many months that is, 15 months. Yeah. Um, oh, so wow. prior to that, I have been using some form of usually like a project management software, something like Asana, where it's like uh-huh. projects with tasks sort of been mm-hmm. um, that, that sync with a calendar. And um, gosh, a number of years ago now, almost 10 years ago, I took a productivity class that was taught okay. by by a colleague and she really advocated for it's like a modified version of the get get things done system where yep. everything yep. is all the tasks are collected in one place and then they're assigned yes. to calendars or the future or parked or yes. things like that. So I, I use some aspects of that, like one place for collection and triage. And then triaging based on goals and projects versus urgency. Ah, fantastic. Uh, and now do you do you have totally given up on any project management system? It's just the notion that you use these days? Yeah, I use Notion like as my productivity software, basically, as the way fantastic. of managing it. So it And does it, doesn't it also do link so- with your calendar? Sorry. Yeah, uh, it doesn't, which I think they have released um I think Notion has released a feature to do that, but I haven't spent the time to figure out how to do that. Okay. So usually what I'll do is just block out chunks of time in my calendar, like work on X project. And then everything that's needed as part of that project is in the dashboard. Got it. Got it. This is this is fantastic. And uh, OK, so I'm intrigued. So there must be some version of it from where you started. Uh, then there must be some learning curve. And then eventually you tweak the version that suits your lifestyle, your needs. Yeah. Um, how was the journey like? Was it too overwhelming in the beginning or was it really easy to get started with something like this? You know, working on this kind of method where there's mm-hmm. the focus, where there's time-based, annual, quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily, mm-hmm. and then also goal-based. So it's like projects, initiatives, mm-hmm. you know, uh, projects that are, you know, a month or two months time-based. When I started with a complete blank Notion workspace, I found Mm -hmm. that very hard. And um, I found my friend Marie's method of like really chunking down Mm -hmm. the information and chunking down templates. That was what was Mm -hmm. needed for me. So um, instead of starting basically from ground zero, having templates that she has honed she's exceptional for productivity and so (laughs) knowing that she had basically reviewed what there is in the world found what was most effective for her and applied it that distillation of expertise for me was the perfect starting place fantastic this is incredible and okay so how many months it took to organize 
that template into something that fits you fit fits your lifestyle a few weeks you know, or you're still doing yeah. it i think it i i definitely tune over time and every now okay. and again i'll go um look back in at some of the content that marie has posted or like a blog or um she okay. she hosts or she has been hosting office hours i found i think what i found is quite stable for supporting me without uh, a definite trap of something of this is spending so much time working on the system versus actually working on what needs to be done like i can tune my productivity system all day long. Oh, um, wow. okay. I find that very fun. And, uh, you know, it, that's productive procrastination for sure. So I yep. would say I focused a chunk of time, I'm going to say like an hour or two hours across a month, an hour, or two hours a week across one focused month where I was like, at the end of November, mm -hmm. I'm going to understand the formulas that I need to make it clear my priorities, the way yes. to link between dashboards to collect the resources I need. So when I, you know, clip an article online that it goes mm -hmm. into the applicable area that I need it for. And then at the end of the month, we're done. No more customizing. Now we're just focusing. All right. This is, this is, this is incredible, Daniel. Okay. So now I understand that you have a productivity system in place that allows you to stay organized. Uh, now, my next question is about your men staying productive mentally. Mm, so there must mm -hmm. be, I'm sure there must be some days where, again, this is, um, I do not have a kid, but I have heard from my uh, friends who have kids that it sometimes gets exhausting uh, when you are working, especially in the pan during the pandemic and lockdown. Yeah. You're always in your home and if there, there's any kid, then there's work. How do you stay productive all throughout the day, all throughout the week? Well, um, I've been, we've been extremely lucky that we've been able to retain our childcare throughout the pandemic. So we okay. um, share a caregiver with one other family. So we have a, a very small bubble. So my daughter okay. has been able to go for the bulk of her daytime hours somewhere okay. else to play and have a caretaker. And that alone has helped immensely. Uh -huh. Because um, when she's around, she just wants to look at a screen. So, okay. um, and she doesn't want to look at text or whatever I'm looking okay. at. She wants to look at one of a number of her favorite YouTube channels. Okay. Um, and so that's been extremely supportive for me and supportive for my husband. Uh -huh. But in terms of the mental aspect of productivity, so uh -huh. one for sure, I credit my executive coach. So uh -huh. she is someone I meet with on a weekly basis and okay. that I collect um, all the areas throughout my week where I find tension or pressure or difficulty or, you know, here's an, a thing I wanted to do and I found it really challenging. Let's mm -hmm. talk about that. And so she's been exceptional for that. I've been working with her maybe six months now and I've worked with oh, different yeah. executive and mindset coaches mm -hmm. in the past, which I recommend highly for everyone. Definitely what works for me is finding someone who I just bring all the, here are the areas where I found, I found I have mm -hmm. a stated goal and I found that I have some difficulty okay. dedicating myself to that. So what's <laughs> in the way there? Um, ah, okay. This is, um, this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, then finding all the coaches mm -hmm. I've worked with have been very uh, practice focused. So mm -hmm. whatever the mindset area is that we're focusing on, there's like 
homework that involves some kind of repeated activity or repeated action or every day, whatever that is to like really integrate that into, into being and into, into um, my work week. So for sure, bar none, executive coach. (laughs) And then um, the other thing, so less on a daily basis, but making sure, especially in the pandemic, that I'm dedicating time for social restoration. So I am an extrovert and it is very challenging to not see my friends and family, but I've been working to find ways to have, you know, Zoom doesn't replace it, but it is something. Yep. And and finding different ways to connect, whether they're group text or or things like that to like refill that that social Uh, cup. Yep, 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 exactly. Exactly. Danielle, so you you're saying having an executive call coach has helped you a lot because there so basically she can provide you a little bit of clarity on weekly basis that otherwise otherwise you would be a little burnt out. I mean with all the unclear things in your head. Is that what um Yeah, uh, like she okay. she keeps us like higher level lens on what I'm working on. And often I'll talk to her and then I'll be like, oh, I feel so much better about that. And then the next week she'll say, last week we worked on this and this and I'll I'll see the ways that I've integrated it into my work week. What I appreciate in particular too is she's the place that I can gather like frustrations I'm having okay. about okay. how okay. I'm working or, you know, I, I wanted to focus on this and I just found myself distracted every five minutes and I found I had the urge to distract myself. And then we'll, we'll dig in at a, basically at like a meta level. So we're not talking ah. about the project. We're not talking about my frustration with whatever oncology. Okay. We're talking about, you know, what was at the root of the feelings that were then. Identify- but how do you identify a root? So you you identify the root or maybe the conversation with her identifies the root and then you yeah, fix she's it. She's extremely skilled. So she'll just ask okay. a bunch of different questions and she has different practices and different methodologies for that. But generally for me, an indicator is where I find something really frustrating or yes, yes. I'm um, I like find the urge to switch tasks very quickly. So uh, okay. check one email, check another email, open Twitter, yeah. check my phone, <laughs> open a project, okay. check Slack. Like that mm-hmm. type of is a real is a real signal of an area to address. Got it. Okay. Let me go on a little bit of tangent right here. How do you find an executive coach and how do you know the person that you have found is really working for you? So my question is, when you are trying to find a coach, you know in your head that you are looking for somebody who is more skilled than you, who uh, who has a little bit of more intellect regarding these things more than you. So and and you have to evaluate them. So how yeah. does this process look like? You know, I've been very lucky in that all the coaches I've worked with um, have come as referrals. So oh, okay. I saw the results of work they did mm-hmm. with other people with executives I was working with in one capacity and with my husband and another, he worked with a coach and I saw the like huge benefit on him. And I'm like, Oh, I want to work with that person too. (laughs) Okay. Um, And then in both cases, I came to them with a particular focus. So I said, I'm Mm -hmm. feeling really challenged by this aspect. How would we approach it? And kind of interviewed them with a particular use case. Ah, Got it, got it. So rather than a like, let's work on my mindset, I was like, Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. feeling 
challenged by mm-hmm. like this particular aspect. And then in some cases, I like asked to work on a, a like a three month contract. So okay. Okay. Um, makes sense. Yeah, it's a short what seems like a long trial, but in in the world of coaching, the the relationship really has been so beneficial for me. So three months feels short Absolutely. in that way. I... I, I totally understand it. Okay, so now circling back to our main conversation. Sure. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure um, there must be a dozen things that are trying to take up your attention throughout the day. Now, how do you choose where to spend your time and attention on? Do you have any system in place or do you have any list sort of priorities using which you just decide, hey, I can de- defer these things, I can delegate the other things. These are two things that I need to spend my personal time on. How mm-hmm. do you do it? Definitely, this has been a work in process and a work in um, mm-hmm. like elevating what actually needs my attention, what I enjoy mm-hmm. doing but doesn't need my attention, and what I don't mm-hmm. enjoy doing and doesn't need my attention. It's sort of been the buckets for me. So they, you can do that four box of what's urgent and important. But mm-hmm. I found for me, the things that I enjoy doing, I have the most appetite to do. Oh. at depth for long periods of time like that really fit my strengths are the ones uh-huh. that that matches very closely with what I enjoy and uh-huh. so some so, of what I try to think about in that weekly planning is mm-hmm. what of my week that's just completing should have been done by someone else or could have been done by someone else and we uh-huh. at Motion Hall we don't have a public blog on this that we could share uh-huh. easily yet but we use this yep. model called the pyramid of helpfulness okay we adopted it from another startup that has since shut down so their blog on it is gone um and it's modified from a book called the responsibility virus but it's basically a model of a pyramid moving from the bottom level one Uh through the top level five Uh of Uh how well can you take initiative and complete Uh a problem or complete something on your own And so we talk, there's a lot more depth to that, but basically it's like, so there's a problem. So level one is I work with you. I come to you and I say, there's a problem. And then I go back about my business. That's level one. You identify a problem and then you stick it on someone else's, someone else's plate. (laughs) Okay. Moving up all the way through five, which is you find a problem, you identify the cause, you find a solution and then you implement it and then you just Uh notify everyone who's involved. And the work is how do you move yourself and move your team members up the pyramid so that everyone is really enabled to be taking thoughtful, bold initiative. You know, whether that's writing a new type of email to a customer without it being reviewed, whether that's selecting a software for recruiting without it going through a committee, whatever that is. Yes, and yes. not everything can be a five. A new team Absolutely. member who's been working for a week, like they shouldn't be a five in anything. Like they need yes. support, they need contacts, et cetera. Yep. So a lot of what I focus on working on now is how do I keep giving the teams I'm working with the insight into the company and the strategy and the mindset of our customers so that they can be systematically moving themselves up in levels of initiative. And then the the other side of that is as a company, we support and celebrate, we call it the 30% rollback. So about okay. 30% of the time in your week, you'll do something uh-huh. 
bold and with initiative and it's completely the wrong thing it needs to be rolled okay. back <laughs> oh okay because that's the that's the other side of supporting everyone around you to be taking bold initiative is okay if you're if you're fully supporting that people will make the wrong decisions uh, and so then it's about you know how do you support people in like making mistakes in ways that don't break your product or like you know ahead. that they're the thoughtful easy to roll back things like that so definitely i'd say probably for the last four and a half years we've we've really been working on that it's one of the core things that we we talk about and we um you know, implement in our work continuously. So someone, what it looks like on a daily basis is one of my team okay. members will say, hey, I'm a four on this. Okay. I found the problem. I have a suggested solution. And here's why I decided not to implement it without your review. So they're, oh. they're again, giving insight into um, here is what fed my decision-making process and fed my concern about this being whatever something that could got it got it yeah go to every customer and i want to make sure that the language is perfect before it does but i've i've crafted every word of the email and i've designed it in the marketing system i've done everything and all that's needed is review and edit ah okay okay so you try so you choose those things which are either level four or five to put your to put put them on your plate and then the other things maybe you just support them to uh, maybe reach to the four and five level is that yeah true? like it's it's a mix of things so i really look to focus my time like where can i uh where is my insight and energy and my my strength in like taking something complicated and organizing it or taking something ah, okay. like taking an ugly draft and making it useful and making it something we can use and implement those are sort of the things that i do the fastest and the best and then with the work of my team members i'm working with them to say like you know where were you on the pyramid of helpfulness with this like how come you felt like you couldn't make a decision on your own what what insight were you missing what understanding did you feel like um you lacked or what confidence can i support you in I see. So that the next time you can do this. And in some cases, it's like, yeah, this, whatever this is, this email that's going to go out to our entire customer base, yep. that yep. Should, just should never go out without review. Got it. Got but, it. Got it. But what, what operating at the top of the pyramid looks like in that capacity is basically everything that's needs to be done is complete and all that's needed is a go or no go decision. Got it. Got it. Got it. I still am trying to wrap my head around it, but I think I have a little understanding of. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, mean? I mean, it's uh, uh, yeah. we've worked yeah, on yeah. developing it for a long time, but it's basically like, how do you translate and share initiative, thoughtful, smart, strong decisions based on initiative? And then how do you know when it's fine to go ahead and whatever it is could be wrong and needs to be rolled back? And how do you um, how do you communicate to the right way? Like there's a whole cluster of ways of communicating and ways of documenting yep. that go along with extremely independent, bold team members making bold decisions. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so now you 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 mentioned something about rolling back. So what happens if somebody or if you make a mistake? Uh, I'm sure some mistakes can be rolled back; they're reversible. But uh, uh, what happens if there is an irreversible mistake that happened? For example, an email that went out um, that should not have gone out. I mean, that's a perfect example. So um, I don't know. Several several weeks ago, we had a mm -hmm. new type of question from a customer that we hadn't dealt with before. Okay. Generally, the person I would review the tone of something like that with is our CEO. And okay. I thought I had the right wording. And so I sent it back because in that decision, it was only one customer. And okay. the risk of the wording being wrong was like, oh, maybe the tone was wrong. So the, the impact of it being incorrect <laughs> was localized. Got and... It we use a CRM. And so we all can see the contacts that everyone else is sending if you're sending communication with customers. And she saw it and she said, look, that wasn't the right tone. And here's why. And here's what we should put into a template for the future. And so I created a template. Now the whole team uses the template. So, and we have a public internal forum where we put uh -huh. screenshots of our 30 percents. And so I went and I was okay. like, hey, everyone, here's my 30% rollback for the week. Here's what okay. I did. Here's why it wasn't right. Here's how it got found out. And here's what I did to roll it back. Oh, wow. This is fantastic. Because if uh, the most interesting thing I like over here is you telling how I rolled it back so that if a similar mistake happens in the future, if if at all by any anybody new, they know how to roll something back like that without yeah. uh, having to go through a committee or a review process. So in that case, it's like what rolling back looks like is the next time a customer has that question, they're answered with a template. I see. Oh, okay. Like sending that same wrong messaging the second time, the first time is like a bold decision without review that was, oh, that mm -hmm. was the wrong decision. The second time it's a mistake. I and understand. so the second time we'd be like, oh, how come you didn't use the template? Whereas the first <laughs> time it's like, mm, that wasn't right. Here's why not. Here's what we're going to do instead. Got it. Got it. This sounds very similar to me, the five why process where you keep asking why, why, why until you reach to the core problem. And mm. then you try to just fix that problem. Yeah. Uh, like in this case, it would be like, what's the core problem? Like maybe yeah. there's this area of communication yeah. with the customer that needs templatizing. I always talk about yes. templates, but we're all oh, about, yes. <laughs> yeah, if you answer it once, great. If you answer it twice, then it needs to be a template. Templatized. <laughs> Got it. Okay, yeah. Danielle, we are towards the end of uh, our conversation and I really enjoyed it. So I, this is what I call uh, a magic question. So if somehow magically you got an additional R every single day for the rest of your life, how would you spend this additional hour? Well, it depends what time of day it is. If it's late in the evening, probably it's, it's an extra, it's an extra okay. hour reading, I think, because that okay. is um, reading for fun and for myself for something that is like restorative for me is definitely something that falls by the wayside um, yep. with a toddler and, and all the demands of life in the pandemic. Fantastic, beautiful answer. And Danielle, if somebody wants to follow along your journey, if they want to connect with you or maybe with Motion Hall, what's the best way to reach out to you? The best way to reach out to me is actually probably on LinkedIn. I'm on there a lot for okay. work, so I'm on there a lot for connecting with everyone else too. Oh, great, great. Uh, I'll actually put a link to your LinkedIn in the blog post as well as in the podcast show notes. So is there anything that you would like to mention that uh, probably I forgot to uh, ask? 
I don't think so. I think that uh, we we covered we covered all the things there were to cover. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so everybody, this was Danielle. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I got to know about uh, a lot about templatizing the processes, uh, <laughs> how to reverse the mistakes and uh, about her notion template. I mean, that was beautiful. Uh, I'll see what I can blur out and put it for everybody to see as well. Thank you so much, Danielle. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. Great to connect.